You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR. Welcome in, everybody. Dale episode Earnhardt six. Jr. Kirk Herbstreit is three. on the phone. Here the podcast. This is America. The Air Tour Sports Wait. Podcast presented yeah. by Betfred Sportsbook. Oh, so it is Thursday, February 9th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I apologize for this crazy taping schedule we usually do during basketball Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We had the bonus episode Tuesday, so I wasn't planning to do an episode Wednesday. Then we had a crazy night of college hoops on Tuesday, so I wanted to get out a Thursday episode, and we will be back on Friday, by the way, with my buddy Nick Coffey will make his triumphant return to the show, but today, heavy college hoops, and let me explain why. Tuesday, I thought, was one of the best college hoops days of the year. Arkansas goes into Rupp Arena, gets the win. We're going to discuss that one from both the Arkansas perspective, oh, it was great, and the Kentucky perspective, not so much. From there, we'll take uh, probably a quick break, come back. UNC lost again on on Tuesday night. It really wasn't as close as the final score indicated. I'm officially worried about Carolina. UConn looks great on Tuesday night. Their best game since November. Is this a turning point for them? So a lot of college hoops today, Friday show. If there's a football topic, maybe we get to it. We'll obviously preview the Super Bowl. And oh, by the way, as I said, my buddy Nick Coffey will be joining me on Friday. But with that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, as I just said, Tuesday was just an awesome night of college basketball. It was just a great night. It felt important. And I would argue there was no game that was more important then what the game that was played 9 p.m. Eastern, ironically, again between two unranked opponents as Arkansas traveled to Kentucky to Rupp Arena. And here is why it is important, because while both of these teams had a ton of hype going into the season, neither of them has both of them have struggled throughout the year. Now, Arkansas has been more injury related Kentucky. They just can't figure out their lineups. But this was a big game because. This was a game featuring two teams that are very much right now in early February on the bubble. Now, in the big picture, I'm not that worried about them. But right now, today, this second, here's what you need to know coming into Tuesday. Joe Lenardi updates his brackets. Nobody knows more about brackets than Joe Lenardi. He had each of these teams in the last eight into the field. In other words, he does the last four in, and then he does the next four in. They were both in that next four. So neither of these teams is anything close to an NCAA tournament guarantee. 
And if you watch the game on Tuesday for at least a half, it felt very close, very competitive. It actually felt like a tournament game because there was so much at stake for both teams, back and forth, up and down, defense, contesting this, that, big game, whatever. Unfortunately, if you're a Kentucky fan, Arkansas comes out in the second half, completely dominates. They run away from Kentucky in Rupp Arena. Final score, 88-73. to And I know I say that the more interesting story is often in the losing locker room. We're going to have to talk about Kentucky in a second because, to me, Kentucky is a very interesting story. I don't know if they're more interesting than Arkansas, though. And as I look at this game from the Arkansas perspective, I just got one question for you, baby. Can anything stop the big pig invasion? Can anything stop the big pig invasion? If you're watching on YouTube, T-shirt's available. Just showed you the T-shirt. It looks good. I'm not going to wear it because i got to sell it to you. But can anything stop the big pig invasion? Plenty of t-shirts available at AaronTorresOnline.com slash merchandise. Also a link in the show description. But what a win for Arkansas. And so when it comes to why did Arkansas win this game, why were they so dominant? I think it ultimately comes down to two words. I think it comes down to Eric Musselman. I think it comes down to he is, if he's not the best coach in college basketball, listen, he doesn't have the resume of Bill Self. He doesn't have the resume of Eric Musselman, Tom, or uh, of, of John Calipari, Tom Izzo, whatever. But right now, this second, especially late in the year, there is not really a coach outside of maybe Bill Self that I trust more to have his teams ready to go than Eric Musselman. And when I look at this game, a couple things stand out. One, they were the better prepared, better ready to go team. They came out on the road off of a tough game against South Carolina that they easily could have lost. And they were kind of the aggressor from the beginning. It's a, it's crazy because sometimes, you know, guys and girls, I think you guys and girls know, I try to watch as much as I can. I think I have a good feel for how these games are going to go down. And when I thought about this game, I said, Kentucky's playing well. They've won a bunch of games. You know, Shibway's playing pretty well, even though he struggled against Colin Castleton on, on, on uh, Saturday against Florida. But it wasn't that way at all. They were the better prepared team, they being Arkansas, better adjustments in the game. That is definitively on the coaching staff. Two, I think it speaks a lot to how this roster was put together in the spring. I've talked about it before, but it's worth reiterating here. All spring long, Arkansas fans told me, do we have too many guys? Is there enough? Blah, 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 blah. What are we doing? Why do we have 13 scholarship players? Well, we saw throughout this season, and we saw on Tuesday night why it's so important. Nick Smith Jr. is out, and we'll talk about him maybe coming back in a minute. Trevin Brazil coming out uh, is out. He's not coming back this season. That's two first-rounders. If anybody else lost that, the season would be over. But Arkansas, because of the way they've recruited, because of the way that they've built depth, they have been able to withstand this. Now, it's been a struggle. It's been an adjustment. The coaching staff has talked about it publicly. It hasn't been easy. But when you look at that floor on Tuesday night, a couple things stand out. One, Anthony Black was the best player on the floor. And I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he has been at Arkansas this year. Now, part of it might be, because Nick Smith came in with all the hype, and, and Nick Smith is a constant point of conversation for Arkansas. I get that. He was the number one high school player in America, according to some recruiting services. He hasn't played. Everybody wants to know what his future is. But Anthony Black has been awesome this year. You know that Anthony Black is averaging 13 points, five rebounds, and four and a half assists as a true freshman point guard in the SEC? That is incredible, and he's probably not getting enough credit. And on Tuesday night, he was the best player on the floor for Arkansas, 19 points, four rebounds, five assists, and how about this? Five steals in that game. 
Two or three of those steals came early in the second half when the game was competitive. I don't know if they win if they don't get the momentum from Anthony Black on the defensive end. So he was great. Ricky Council did what Ricky Council always does, 20 points for them. And I thought the difference, you know what the difference was. And this speaks to roster building, roster management. I talked about it in the spring. Last year, Arkansas lost in the Elite Eight to Duke. And in that game, Duke had a guy named Mark Williams who was dominant. Seven foot one center, rebounding, shot blocking, altering shots. Arkansas had no answer for him. And one thing I know about Coach Moss following him through the years, when he gets beat by something, he makes sure that never happens again. So why do I bring it up? It's because on Tuesday night, two of the players that he brought in, because he said we didn't have enough size, enough length, enough rim protection, enough athleticism at the rim last year, he goes out and gets a pair of transfer twins from Rhode Island, McKellen, Makai, Mitchell. Well, they were the difference in that game. Anthony Black was the best player. But the Mitchell twins were the difference. 19 points, 13 rebounds, five blocks in that game, limiting Oscar Sheepway. How about this? To seven points and seven rebounds, which led to the Arkansas victory. And so that's what happened on Tuesday. But now let's talk big picture for a minute. Because I hate to say it, but Eric Musselman, Coach Muss, is doing it again. And one thing about Coach Muss, I've told you from the beginning. There isn't a better late-season coach in college basketball right now, okay? I bring up this stat. This stat blows me away. It's it's one of those crazy stats. I did kind of an Instagram reaction on, on Tuesday night. But you know how, like, when Tom Brady retired and you'd see all these crazy stats about him and you'd say, there's no way that can be true? And then it was. Well, that's kind of like Coach Muss. How about this first stat on Arkansas the last three Februarys? So February 2021, February 2022. February 2023, and it's early, but obviously this February as well. Did you know that Arkansas is 15-1 and in the month of February in 2021, 2022, and 2023? That is insane, and that is what Arkansas has done over the last three years. And so why I always had faith in this team. It's funny. Every time I said something nice, every time I said I'm not worried about this team struggling at various points, you all know what I heard. Torres, you love Muss. Torres, you love Mussman. Torres, you never say anything bad about Mussman. No, 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 no. Let's get one thing clear. I love my wife. I love my dog. Maybe not in that order, but that's neither here nor there. Don't, don't, don't share that with the wife, okay? I, I, I don't love basketball coaches, but how could you not respect a man that is now 15 and 1 in the last three Februaries in college basketball? The goal is to have your team playing its best late in the season when it matters the most. And that is exactly what this guy did, does. And this is why I was never worried. Because one thing I could say about this coaching staff, and I know people that have worked there and are no longer there and all that good stuff. And the one thing they say about Coach Muss, he is a constant tinkerer. In other words, if things aren't going well, he's going to keep messing around with lineups and rotation and roster and this and that until he figures it out. Last year, it took until February to put a kid named Trey Trey Wade, I almost called him Trey Lance, not the quarterback for the 49ers, uh, Trey Wade into the starting lineup. Trey Wade was awesome. Arkansas went on a run that ended in the Elite Eight. This year, it feels as though there's more of an emphasis on putting the Mitchell Twins on the court together or playing them more overall, and it has led to another February run for Arkansas. Did you know... 
So I just told you they're 15 and one in February, each of the last three years, Arkansas is quietly on a five game win streak in the sec. Now they did lose the big 12 sec challenge game at Baylor. Baylor's awesome. By the way, Arkansas was up at halftime in that game. And I would add the game, the, the, their last sec loss to Missouri. I watched that game. That was the 56 foul game that Arkansas probably should have won. Cause they had a bad foul call on Devo Davis late in that game. And so I bring it up because coach Muss is doing it again. Quietly has won five in a row in sec play. They probably really should be on a seven game win streak at this point. But when they started slow, I told you not to worry. And that's exactly what will happen. Now I'll say a couple things as we wrap on Arkansas, we turn our attention to Kentucky from the Arkansas perspective. I will say schedule does get tougher. I don't think they're going undefeated in February this year. They still have to play at AM, at, uh, at Tennessee and at Alabama. And they still have Kentucky at home. How about this? Three of their last four. Now, th- three of their next four are at home. But three of their last four, at Tennessee, at Bama, Kentucky at home. You talk about a loaded back half of the schedule. That is it. But here's the silver lining maybe for Arkansas fans. Seems like Nick Smith might be coming back. Now, I have no personal intel on this. And I'll be blunt. Everything that I kind of heard up until yesterday was, I don't think we're going to see him. But Jimmy Dykes, who lives in Fayetteville and is around that program, kept saying on the broadcast, Nick Smith is coming back. We expect him back. We'll see him sooner rather than later. If Jimmy Dykes says it, I don't think there's a more reputable person to talk Arkansas athletics. He, of course, formerly coached there. I don't think there's a more reputable person to talk Arkansas athletics than Jimmy Dykes. So, schedule is going to get tougher. They're probably not going undefeated in February, but this team is peaking at the right time. And here is the scary part. They might be getting, frankly, one of the top players in college basketball back soon. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. So we just talked about things from the Arkansas perspective. What I want to do now is switch gears and, and I want to look at things from the Kentucky perspective because Arkansas, huge win, big momentum, February, this is what they do. From the Kentucky perspective, it's a lot different. And it was interesting because I was thinking about something as I kind of as the game wrapped up on Tuesday night. One, I often say that the more interesting story is in the losing locker room. 
And in general, on a day like today, that's usually the case. But for Kentucky, I don't know that I feel that way. And let me explain why. You know what my emotions were when that game went final from the Kentucky perspective? From the Arkansas perspective, I just explained it. But from the Kentucky perspective, this is what I was thinking. And I bet a lot of Kentucky fans, many of you listening, probably felt the same way. Remember when you were a kid and you did something really dumb and you were ready for your your parents found out and they were ready to yell and scream and whatever? And then they would just say, Johnny, Sarah, Billy, Jane, Aaron, whatever your name was. Aaron, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Well, I'll be honest. That was kind of how I felt about Kentucky after this game. I'm not mad. I'm not going to yell and scream. I'm not going to overreact. I've already told you guys and girls, I'm never doing the fire John Calipari rant again. Because I truly believe that that there's no coach that guarantees them to be in position every year the way that John Calipari does. I'm never going to do the John Calipari fire John Calipari ran again. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't think Kentucky is going to make the NCAA tournament because I think they're not only going to make the NCAA tournament, I think they can actually do damage when they get there. But at the same time, it's about Tuesday night. Right now we're reacting to that. And I'm just disappointed. And let me explain why I'm disappointed. It is because Everything about this game, all the momentum was favoring Kentucky. First off, as I said, huge game. Both teams firmly on the bubble coming in. Both teams need a win. For Arkansas, it is their second straight road game before what starts a pretty lengthy home stand. They play three of their next four. But second straight road game, they were in South Carolina on Saturday. They survived. They fly home to Fayetteville, fly back to Lexington a day later. Kentucky's at home. The crowd is electric. Listen, Rupp Arena gets a bad rap. Every time I've been there, it's electric. It felt electric on Tuesday night. I obviously wasn't there, but it felt electric on TV. Big game, at home, great crowd. And to John Calipari's credit, all the momentum, right? They had won six of seven to their credit. They were playing some of their best basketball and really coming off a Florida win that really, it, it was close, but it really wasn't. And so for them to lose that game, In the manner that they did, it is just so frustrating for the reason that I just said with Arkansas. It's because you come out, you're amped up, you rely on the crowd, and then the game gets deeper in, and it's clear what what Arkansas's game plan is, and they're making adjustments, and they're making changes, and they're rotating players. In Kentucky, it was kind of the same. For Arkansas, it seemed pretty obvious to me. This was the game plan. Limit Oscar Sheepway down low. Don't let Kentucky beat you from the three-point line with Antonio Reeves, C.J. Frederick, and Cason Wallace. Well, Oscar Shibway, as I said, 7.7 rebounds, quiet night for him overall. And then look at everybody else. In total, four of 13 from three for Kentucky. Cason Wallace attempted 17 shots, but only three of them were three-pointers. And so that was the game plan. That was what was going on. It was clear to everybody watching. And Kentucky really had no counterpunch. And so that is why it was disappointing. And I'll just be honest, as I as I was watching that game unfold, Arkansas pulls away. Again, I don't want to discredit Arkansas because somebody had to win that game. They went and took that. But I did have one other thought. And again, this isn't a fire Calipari rant, but I was thinking this, and I, and I seriously mean this. Is this year John Calipari's worst coaching job at Kentucky? Because I'll be honest, I actually really do think that it is. And let me explain. This is not John Calipari's worst year at Kentucky. That was two years ago, 2021, during COVID. 
But that was a COVID year. Kids got to campus late. You know, they were in a bubble, couldn't hang out inside the dorms, couldn't get together, couldn't really practice, start and stop. I, I'll forgive anybody for a disaster that season. Kentucky was really bad, but so was Duke. Carolina almost missed the tournament. Michigan State was in the play-in game. If you go to football, Michigan was a mess under Jim Harbaugh. They've won two Big Ten titles since. So I give Calipari a pass for 2021. 2013, only other year he missed the NCAA tournament. Guess what? We all remember they lost their entire team off that 2012 national championship. There were other years that have been disappointing. But I think this one's by far the worst because let's just go through Kentucky's schedule. Think about all their losses this year, okay? Michigan State night one, sort of forgivable. They were in control, whatever. But from there, think about their losses. Gonzaga in a game that they weren't even competitive. They just didn't show up ready to play. Top 10 matchup on the road, neutral site, whatever. It was in Spokane. You get the point. They didn't even show up ready to play. So you have that game. You have the UCLA game, which was literally one of the worst games historically in the John Calipari era at Kentucky in terms of offensive efficiency. You have the Alabama game where you absolutely get punked. You have the Missouri game where you absolutely get punked. You have the Arkansas game on Tuesday night where you absolutely get punked. By the way, you have South Carolina, which was one of the worst losses in regular season history of Kentucky basketball. It's not worse than Evansville a few years ago, but it's pretty close up there. And so I bring it up because think about this season for Kentucky. They're still in position. They're still 16 and eight. I still think they're making the NCAA tournament, but they've basically lost every meaningful game. Their two best wins as of right now, as I'm recording here on February 9th, their two best wins against a fringe NCAA tournament, Michigan team that lost their starting point guard in that game. And against the Tennessee team that, Never forget, the reason they won that game was because Severe Wheeler got hurt, and the lineup that everybody was telling him to play was the one that he trotted out there. If Severe Wheeler is healthy, like that win was by accident. If Severe Wheeler is healthy, I don't think they probably win that game. Now they do. It happens. Sometimes injuries work for your favor when other team has players get hurt. In their case, they what they had one of their own players got hurt and they took advantage of it. And so when I look at the season, just think about that. Bad loss after bad, you know, not bad loss to who they lost to, but an embarrassing fashion, embarrassing fashion to Alabama, embarrassing fashion in a different way to UCLA, embarrassing fashion in a different way to Arkansas, embarrassing way to South Carolina, but they're all still embarrassing. And I do think it does fall on the coaching staff. Again, not saying he's going to be fired, not saying he should be fired. He's bringing the number one recruiting class next year. If he brings back some of these guys, he's going to have another really good team next year. So it's not to say that, but what it is to say is it's just disappointing. It's disappointing in the effort. It's disappointing, by the way, three home losses. Remember when Kentucky never lost at Rupp Arena? Lost to South Carolina, Kansas, and Arkansas at home right now. Three bad losses, and it's just disappointing. So I I think I've said what I have to say about Kentucky. I don't think there's anything more insightful. Um, I do worry a little bit about Oscar Shibway. Is the you know, is the book out on him, right? Like you throw a bunch of seven footers at him, and you know, maybe round one of the NCAA tournament, people won't have him. But you throw seven footers at him, he's got no answer. That was another thing that was disappointing, by the way, about the Kentucky game on Tuesday night. Damian Collins was playing the game of his life. He barely played in the second half. John Calipari said, I want to get Oscar back in a groove. It's not just about tonight. What about getting Damian Collins in a groove? What about playing the team, the, the, the lineups that help you win? And so I'm not going to go on and on. And to be clear, I'm still not down on this Kentucky team. They have Case and Wallace handling the ball. Antonio Reeves and CJ Frederick are both really good despite what happened on Tuesday night. And I still think they're going to get to the tournament. And I think once they get there, 
they can do some damage with the right matchups. Now, this isn't a, a vintage Kentucky team, which, again, speaks to where we are with Kentucky basketball, but they get the right matchups. I think they could beat a lot of teams, but I don't know how you can't be frustrated, how you can't be disappointed if you're a Kentucky fan. Not because they lost, but the manner in which they did it. Again, to quote my mom when I did dumb stuff when I was a kid, Aaron, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. John Calipari, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Going to take a quick break, come back, react to some other stuff from Tuesday night, including North Carolina. We might be getting a Kentucky-North Carolina playing game here soon. Also, UConn gets a big win. Take a quick break. Be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know their story started in 1967 in the U.K., over 1,200 shops in the UK, and Betfred has come to the U.S. and made a major splash. They are not only the presenting sponsor of the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, Cincinnati Bengals, Aaron Torres Media, but what I love about Betfred is they do more for their customers than anybody else in the sports betting space, and here is the great news. Here is the great news. Two pieces of great news, actually. One, the Betfred Sportsbook in Las Vegas is officially open at the Mohegan Sun Casino. Make sure to check it out there in Vegas. It's officially open, ready to go. It is going to be awesome. Two, big game coming this weekend, and here's the good news. Nobody takes care of their customers like Betfred, as I told you, and here is the crazy part. If you bet 50 on any game, but there's a big one on Sunday, you already know who's playing. Betfred will give you up to $1,000, $1,111 in free bets. As a matter of fact, let me explain how it happens. Here's what you got to do. Go to the Betfred Sportsbook app, download the Betfred Sportsbook app, place any bet for at least $50. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But here's the best part. You then get up to $200 a week in insurance for the first five weeks that you are part of the Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. So in other words, you bet, you lose up to $200. Betfred will refund you for up to five weeks. It doesn't get better than that. So thank you to Betfred Sportsbook. They are the presenting sponsor of Aaron Torres Podcast, all things Aaron Torres Media. Bet 50 on any game, including the big one this weekend. Get up to 150 in, or excuse me, did I say 100? Uh, 1111 in free bets. Thank you again to the Betfred Sportsbook. All right, everybody. 
Hi, I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's get to some of the other results from earlier this week, specifically on Tuesday. Let's stay on Tuesday and let's head down to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where these poor North Carolina Tar Heels had to play Team NIL. They had to play the team that bought all their players. I'm, of course, talking about Wake Forest, and of course, I'm being absurd because Wake Forest didn't buy any of their players. Their best player is a 60-year senior who started his career at Cleveland State, but that's neither here nor there. That's what Jim Beheim said. Jim Beheim is a schmuck. Jim Beheim has, of course, apologized for those comments. I, I, I think he owes more than an apology, to be blunt. But either way, neither here nor there. North Carolina at Wake Forest and a kind of like this Kentucky-Arkansas game, right? It was essentially a must-win for both games, both teams. I don't even think Wake Forest is considered on the bubble right now. Obviously, they needed a win at North Carolina and a lot more to enhance their tournament resume. North Carolina was on the nine line, but unfortunately, they got smacked around by those Demon Deacons. Final score, 92-87. to 87. But let me tell you this. Do not be fooled by the final score. This was a butt-kicking, okay? Wake Forest was up by 22 at the half. Wake Forest was up by as many as 26 in the second half. They were up by 19 with 10 minutes to go before North Carolina went kind of crazy uh, late in the game to make it competitive, but make no mistake. North Carolina got punked again, and here's what you need to know about North Carolina. This is now their third straight loss, and as I record here on Wednesday in Joe Lenardi's most recently updated bracket, North Carolina the preseason number one team is now in the last four teams in the NCAA tournament. Now, like Kentucky, I think they're probably going to get in, but boy, oh boy, what a downfall it is for the team that was ranked preseason number one. And let me just tell you, why. I, while I feel good that Kentucky will ultimately make the tournament, I think Carolina will get in. If I had to bet on it based on what I know now, I would say that they will. But I think it is far from a guarantee. So let's get into it. And as far as uh, Tuesday night's concerned, listen, it's a lot of the same stuff we talked about on Monday, right? And Monday we talked about Carolina. Why are they struggling? They were coming off the loss to Duke. And I really pegged it on two things. And I, and I probably missed one or two important things as well. But Tuesday night looked a lot like what I told you about coming out of the Duke game and some of the other games earlier in the last couple of weeks when it comes to North Carolina. Caleb Love returner, you know, star player was great in North Carolina's final four run. He continues to struggle. He continues to shoot too much. And he frankly continues to shoot North Carolina out of games. He went five for 15 from the field against Duke, uh, was a little bit more respectable. Nine of 24 on uh nine of 24 on Tuesday night against Wake Forest. But this guy again is taking way too many shots, way too many low percentage shots. And here's what it's also doing. It's limiting North Carolina in the paint where they have a huge talent in Armando Baycott. Now, Tuesday night, Armando Baycott was in foul trouble. Wake Forest is kind of a smaller, quicker team. Armando Baycott really struggled. But even in this game, even in a game that he fouled out, he still finished with 17 points and 11 rebounds, which shows you how effective he is. But the bottom line is Caleb Love shoots too much. Armando Baycott probably isn't enough of a focal point. What I didn't talk about following the Tuesday game or the Duke game, excuse me, which I probably should have. And I think this was again on display on Tuesday night. North Carolina is also getting essentially no production from the power forward spot, which is kind of a hybrid four spot since Hubert Davis got there. If you remember Roy Williams for years, loved to play the two big men system. And when Hubert Davis took the job, he said, no, 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 no. This four man is going to be a stretch guy. He's going to be a, a guy that's able to beat you from down low, but also from the perimeter. 
And last year they had Brady Manick, the transfer from Oklahoma, and he was lights out. He was awesome for this Carolina team throughout last season. Problem is he's gone. Pete Nance, the transfer from Northwestern, has come in. And Pete Nance hasn't, hasn't really just played very well. Now, he did finish the game with 11 points and 10 rebounds on Tuesday night, so he was far from the Tar Heels' biggest problem. But on the season, this was a guy that averaged 16 points a game last year at Northwestern. He was a guy who shot 45% from the field, or from the three-point line, excuse me, at Northwestern. Both those numbers are way down, about 10.5 points per game, about 31% from the three-point line. And so I bring it up because when you were getting so much production from that spot and all the other pieces were the same, and now you're not, a lot of it's falling on Pete Nance. A lot of uh, a lot of feedback I got from my my commentary on the Duke game the other night was, hey, it might be time to move Pete Nance to the bench. We have difference makers in the freshman class that are playing well. Give a kid like a Jalen Washington, a true freshman for the Tar Heels, give him a chance. Uh, Puff Johnson, who played well in the NCAA tournament. And then also some of the younger guards have had their moments as well. But you add it all up, and it's starting to look the same for the Tar Heels. Too much Caleb Love, not enough Amarno Baycott. Is Pete Nance the guy? It's the same thing over and over and over again. And what would concern me if I was a Tar Heels fan, and what I know does concern Tar Heels fans, is that there's no real reason to think that this is going to flip, right? Just because it flipped last year doesn't mean that it's going to this year. Now, to be clear, that doesn't mean that Hubert Davis is on the hot seat. Remember, he made a Final Four last year, and I think when you combine the Final Four run with some really good recruiting, he's obviously got a really good class coming in next year. Simeon Wilshire is one of the best guards in high school basketball, and then in 2024, he's already got a really talented class coming in, headlined by Ian Jackson, a top three player in that class. So I don't think this is like a Hubert Davis is getting fired thing, but I think fans are increasingly getting frustrated And I do worry there's no real reason to think that things are going to change this year. First off, we think about that great run last year, turning things around mid to late February. It all clicked in Carolina was great. Well, here's the thing in the regular season last year, Carolina finished last year in the regular season. This was their win loss record going into the ACC tournament in 2022 in 2022. Heading into the ACC tournament, this, of course, off the big win at Duke to end Coach K's regular season career, Carolina was 23-8, and 15-5 and five in the ACC. This year, they already have nine regular season losses, one more loss than they had all of last year in the regular season, and they already have one more ACC loss heading into the, the, the home stretch than they had all of last year. It was crazy to me to look back on the 2022 season for Carolina and see that they actually only had five ACC losses. It felt bad. It felt disastrous. It felt like it was all falling apart. They finished 15 and five in ACC play. Well, as we record right now, they're seven and six right now, and they're clearly heading in the wrong direction. And they're clearly heading towards a situation where, much like Kentucky, they're probably going to have to play their way into the tournament over these next few weeks. This isn't uh, Arizona. This isn't whoever, fill in the blank, uh, uh, UConn, um, trying to think off the top of my head here, Kansas, Texas, whatever. North Carolina is far from a lock right now. And there's really actually two things that would be very concerning for Tar Heels fans. One, your best wins this season are increasingly looking worse, right? This is kind of Kentucky's problem. Kentucky has the great win against Tennessee. And then after that, it's like, yeah, Michigan, eh, you, you kind of look at the resume. North Carolina is kind of the same way. Best out-of-conference wins 
I would argue probably against Michigan on a neutral court in Charlotte and Ohio State on a neutral court in, in New York City. Neither of those teams is projected right now to make the NCAA tournament. Ohio State's not even close. People want Chris Holtman fired at Ohio State. So that's those are your best out-of-conference wins. You did barely beat Charleston, who's actually a pretty good team this year. Um, you have a good win against NC State in conference play. But again, you look at conference play. You played Duke once. You lost to him. You played, to, you played Pitt twice. Pitt's really good. You lost to them twice. You played Virginia once. You lost to them. So all of the best opponents you've played in conference, you are losing to. Starting to get a little worried if I was North Carolina, especially because here's the other part. You have a very tough schedule ahead. Those are the two things that have to be most concerning to Tar Heels fans. The early part of the resume isn't as good as we thought it might be. Not Michigan and Ohio State certainly aren't as good as we thought they were a month ago. And then, oh, by the way, on top of that, the schedule from here gets harder. This weekend, Clemson at home. You know who's leading the ACC right now? You know who's atop the ACC standings? It's Clemson. Monday night, North Carolina comes to, or uh, excuse me, uh, Miami comes to Chapel Hill. Miami's a really good team. Miami destroyed Duke the other night. Like, Miami's a legitimate team. So you have those two games. Then you have what is hopefully an easier, you have a really, really tough game against North Carolina State. North Carolina State's the best team in North Carolina right now. My boy Kevin Keats is getting the job done. At Notre Dame, then Virginia at home, then at Florida State, then Duke at home. So you're looking at six games left in the regular season right now. Seven games left, excuse me. Four of them are against teams that are going to make the NCAA tournament. At Virginia, Duke at home, at NC State, Miami, and Clemson. So five of seven. I take that back. Clemson, Miami, at NC State, at Virginia, Duke at home. Those are five teams that are going to make the NCAA tournament. Now, the good news is you have a chance to make up for everything that's gone wrong so far and win some of those games. But again, what gives us the reason to think that you're going to? You're 15 and nine right now. You're seven and six in ACC play. Um, you know, you had sort of a good stretch where you played a bunch of bad teams outside of NC State, but they, there's really never been that moment in time where you feel like, okay, this team has finally turned a corner. So maybe something changes this weekend against Clemson. Maybe it changes the following game against Miami. But this North Carolina team is not very good, and they got to get it figured out quick. Really quickly, a couple other updates from Tuesday night um, about those UConn Huskies. So by now, I think you know the UConn story, right? Most of the season, or a good chunk of the season, thought they were the best team in college basketball. Then Big East play started. They've really largely struggled. They did bounce back last week with two wins at DePaul at Georgetown. And I'm telling you, I watched the Georgetown game. They easily could have lost. Well, Tuesday night, they were at home against Marquette. And to their credit, they took care of business in a big way. Final score, 87-72. UConn has now quietly won three in a row, four of five. And I will readily say this. This was the best UConn has looked since November. But as I always say, sometimes in life, two things can be true. And I think that's the case for UConn right now. That was the best they've played since November. I'm not totally sold that they've turned any sort of corner. Why do I believe they haven't turned any sort of corner? Few reasons. One, I watched them all the way back a million years ago on Saturday. And if you watched them on Saturday, they were not very good against Georgetown. They were lucky to survive that game. I also will say, and this isn't to tear down my alma mater. I want UConn to be good. Marquette is kind of a great matchup for them. UConn at its best is big, physical, tough. When the refs let you get away with stuff down low, they can beat the crap out of you. 
Marquette is small, quick, athletic. And to UConn's credit, they had their best defensive effort of the game uh, 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 in a long time on Tuesday night against Marquette. Um, and so it was a good matchup for them. They took advantage of it. But what I also will say with UConn is this could be the sign that things are starting to turn the corner. I think one thing that is very clear, UConn knows who its two best players are right now. And and, and best is relative, right? Adama Sinogo leads the team in scoring. Uh, Andre Jackson is probably their most important playmaker. But two guys have really stepped up over the last couple of weeks. One, Tristan Newton, guard, transfer from East Carolina. He has been phenomenal. Okay, how about this? Tristan Newton on Tuesday night had himself a triple-double. Tristan Newton finished the game with 12 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. Why is that important? He also had a triple-double earlier this year. Why is that important? You know that in the illustrious history of UConn basketball, the school that gave us Kemba Walker, Ray Allen, Karan Butler, Shabazz Napier, Ben Gordon, Emeka Okafor down low, Charlie Villanueva down low, Rudy Gay on the wing. Who am I missing? You know that no player in UConn history has ever had two triple doubles in the same season? Well, Tristan Newton just did it on Tuesday night. So that's one. And then the other thing, Jordan Hawkins is playing like a top 15 pick. And I've been telling you about Jordan Hawkins if you listen to this show. I have been telling you about Jordan Hawkins since August, okay? I said, he's the guy. He is going to emerge. And it was funny, when the season started, I did some kind of segment where I said, UConn's two best players are hurt, Andre Jackson and Jordan Hawkins. People said, Torres, Adama Sonogo is the Big East preseason player of the year. What are you talking about? I said, yeah, but Jordan Hawkins is going to be the best player by the end of the year. Well, he finished with 20 points, 5 of 8 shooting from 3. And here is what Jordan Hawkins has done in his last six. He has quietly played very well, even when the team has struggled. 20 points against Marquette, only 10 against Georgetown, but 26 against DePaul, 28 against Xavier, 20 against Butler. So in four of his last five, he's hit at least 20, has topped the 25-point mark twice. And so I bring it up to say UConn has found their two guys. Uh, their big guys down low played well. Sonogo played well. Donovan Klingon, the freshman, played well. I still have my questions about UConn, though. I'll say this. They go on the road this weekend to Creighton. Crane's a really good team. If they get that win, I will officially be impressed. Uh, really, that's about it for, for today's show. I think, you know, Duke went on the road and got smacked by Miami the other night. I just think Miami's like a really, really, really good team. I'm not taking too much out of it. I told you Duke wasn't great. I didn't come out of the Duke Carolina game saying that Duke somehow had the secret sauce. I just said, I think both teams aren't very good. Duke was less not good at home in that game. I should also say, by the way, one last note. You see what the Indiana Hoosiers are doing right now? First off, Trace Jackson Davis, incredible. 20 points on Tuesday night. How about this? He surpassed 2,000 points and 1,000 career rebounds in this game. And so let me just say this about Trace Jackson Davis. I'm really happy to see his success. This is a kid, came in as a five-star kid, McDonald's All-American. Everybody thought he was going to be a one-and-done. Well, year two, he wants to come back. He knows he's not ready. Then year three, Mike Woodson comes in, and he says, I want to play for an NBA head coach. Then this year, he decides to come back for a fourth year, and many people thought he was going to be a one and none. Comes back for a fourth year because he got a taste of the NCAA tournament, and he said, I think we have a chance to be really good. He is playing as well as anyone in college basketball these last couple games. 20 points and 18 rebounds versus Rutgers, 25 and 7 versus Purdue, 18 and 20 versus Maryland, even in a loss. 
uh, 18 and 10 versus Ohio State, 25 and 21 against Minnesota. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, we did our midseason All American teams. He made the second team in our midseason teams. He will probably make our first team next time around. Uh, by the way, Michigan State did did beat Maryland, held on by the skin of their teeth. Maryland, really interesting team. Keep an eye on them. Even though they lost, I thought they were largely the better team in this game for most of the game. But uh, but yeah, Michigan State beats Maryland. And then I'll just say this: pretty quiet Tuesday or Wednesday night in college hoops. Actually, not a ton going on. I really felt like the big results were Monday and Tuesday. So wanted to make sure to get the show in today and talk about all that. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Before we get out of here, I want to remind you, make sure that you are subscribed. Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Also, make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Follow the YouTube page as well. YouTube's blowing up, about to close in on 21K subscribers. I think that's it. Time for me to get out of here. Time for me to go. Shout out to Torrent Crane. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Friday. Friday episode this week. So four episodes this week. Nick Coffey joins me. We will talk all sorts of good stuff. Nick is fired up. I'm fired up to have him. I'll see you on Friday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.